0: Celebration Church. Welcome to all of our campuses, Stevens Point, Appleton, West Side, all of you joining us online. Let's all stand up together. Let's say this. This is who we are and this is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this together. We believe in God, the Father almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have everyone with us today. Uh, Pastor Mark, he is out traveling, uh, doing a marriage conference. He was in Canada, so hopefully he's a whole lot colder than all of us are this morning, right? Hopefully it gets colder as you go north. Man, it's brutal outside, But it's good to have you with us today. I'll be praying for Mark as he's traveling back. Uh, We have have a great pleasure to have Jimmy Bratcher joining us this morning. He's been a part of the Celebration Church family, whether it's speaking at Manly Man conferences, doing music for us. He preaches from time to time at our church. He's got a great heart for lost people, has a great message. He's a fabulous musician. Let's all put our hands together and welcome Jimmy Bratcher this morning. Welcome. Good
1: thanks. <laughs> Good morning. It's my privilege and honor to be here with y'all, hanging out with y'all, <laughs> all y'all. And uh, hello to everybody online. Hi, Sherry. My wife Sherry's watching. So, uh, and some other people. I think uh, Debbie's watching. And uh, so anyways, but I'm glad to be here. It's uh, it's just an honor to be here. I did bring some stuff with me, so if you're one of the campuses, you can just go to my website. You can go to jimmybratcher.com and the stuff's there, but but I just finished a teaching series called Dream Acceleration. The first, last time I was here, which is a couple of months ago I preached the first part of this. So it's a message of encouragement. You know, sometimes we get we have these dreams in our heart. They don't seem to be going anywhere. There's some keys that the Bible tells us that will accelerate our dreams. And then also I have some of my book, uh, Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave, which is a book of encouragement. Has anybody read this book? Oh, look, man, you can sell, we can sell out today. Uh, and so... Uh, so anyway, the, the, we're, we're making a deal on the two of these packages. This would be great for your New Year's. The book's real easy to read. I wrote it for guys like me that aren't avid readers, so it's big print, short chapters, and lots of stories. So uh, anyway, and then there's my music is out there as well. There's some of that. My Christmas CD is out there if you're feeling, you know, really festive and ready to get started with the holidays. And some people think that's the best CD I've ever done. So anyway... That stuff's out there, but today I have a a plan in mind. I have a purpose, and I want to fulfill that purpose today, and my purpose is this, that I want you to be filled with hope. I want, when you leave here, that you're thinking, you know, there is hope for me. Everybody say that. There's hope for me, and some of you are. I felt that wave of unbelief. Coming out of your mouth right there. Now say it again, there's hope for me. Hope is one of the big three the Bible talks about. You know, the three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And today I want, when we leave here today, I want you to have hope about your today and about your future. Because it's so important and, you know, God has hope for us all. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to be together, Lord. I pray that I would communicate this message in a way that people can get, Lord, it go directly into their heart. And, Father, as we leave here today, Lord, may we do this word. May we leave here filled with hope and seeing a future for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. My text today will be Galatians six seventeen, Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, and I've been telling people as I'm speaking we need an app for our smartphones and our iPads so that it sounds like turning pages because that's, that's you know, we used to, as preachers, you know, you could always tell when it was time for you to read because you'd hear the pages stop turning, you know, it'd get real quiet. It's really a sacred sound. So we need an app that when you open up your Bible program, it's like, shh, shh, shh pages turning. So anyway, that, that's free. Maybe you can develop that, make a lot of money, cut me in on the, you know, the resources there. So Galatians 6.17, the New King James, it reads like this. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The New Living Translation reads like this. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. The Apostle Paul writing these words was a marked man. The Bible talks and tells us about his shipwreck, about him being beaten, about him being stoned and left for dead. And I'm sure that he had scars physically on his body, that proved what he was talking about here. He said I have these marks, these scars on my body that show you what I've been through. And so many times we can meet people and we can know instantly the kind of life that they've lived or have or, or living by the marks that are on their body. Sherry and I yesterday before I got on the plane to come up here, we went to a diner that we like to go to to have breakfast and the waitress that was waiting on us. She had tattoos. She had a lot of tattoos. And Sherry always asked for people to explain their tattoos because they tell a story. You know, there's a reason for it. Uh, at least you hope there's a reason for it, you know. And, and so she asked this girl, but she didn't, get to, she didn't get to engage her in a conversation, but right across her chest, right here, she had the word sinful written. She had identified herself uh, right up front, with a mark that said that this is who I am. Every time we meet people, we make those kind of judgments. I was doing a prison crusade in Louisiana, Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, which is a massive complex, 18,000 acres, seven prison, many thousands of inmates there. Listen, if you go to Louisiana, let me give you some advice. Do not break the law. (laughs) Don't break the law. So we were doing this prison crusade and doing walkthroughs through segregation where they keep all the lawbreakers of the law in prison. And these men are confined there for 23, 24 hours a day, nonstop. Being a friend, we're in a cell block and you have to picture it's summertime, there's no air conditioning, bars on the, on the cells. And my friend's down at the end and I'm ready to go, so I walk down to get him and I walk up and I look inside this cell and there's this huge Creole man there. He's in a white jumpsuit that's open to his waist. And I just walk up and stick my hand through the bars and say, Hi, my name's Jimmy. What's your name? And with a dead cold stare, he just looks at me and says, You mean you're not afraid to shake my hand? And I said, No. No. (laughs) I didn't. I just said, No, I'm not afraid to shake your hand. Should I be? And he said, Well, if I don't like you, I'll hurt you. And right over his heart, he had a prison tattoo. And the prison tattoo said this, Born to lose. And I saw that and it broke my heart. He'd identified himself as a loser. Society had said, you're a loser. Maybe even his family and friends said, your value is this, this is who you are. And when I saw that, I looked at him. I said, You know, that tattoo on your chest is a lie. He said, Your friend just said the same thing. He said, God never intended for you to be a loser. He has another plan for your life. He said, Would you pray? He said, I just get so angry. And when I get angry, I hurt people. Can God do anything to help me? And I said, Yes, He can. Let's pray. And I'm going to pray for you that God would help you. And we prayed. Several months later, I was back at Angola, and I asked the warden concerning this man. And he said, you know, a few months ago, something happened. He's not violent anymore. He was the most violent man out of all the thousands in that prison. Something happened in his heart. He had a change. He found a new identity. I know what it's like to be a marked man. When Sherry and I first came to the Lord, we was Poe. We was Poe. We was so Poe at Christmas, all we could exchange were glances. That's what I'm talking about. And Sherry became the queen of garage sales. I mean, if you want to go garage selling with a pro, you need to, Sherry will hook you up. She can do it. And there's one thing it was when it's cool to go to garage sales. I don't particularly care for it, but but you know she does. But the coolest thing is when you can find a sale that hasn't happened yet. And this happened to us. I was speaking in a church near our home and and um the pastor invited us over it was on a Wednesday night and the pastor's wife was having a garage sale the next day. And man, I mean we hit the front door and the girls were gone, you know? I mean they're just gone and Sherry comes back. She's got all this stuff. And she says, look, baby, I got you this shirt. And in the bag from the cleaners was this dress shirt. I was an executive, had short hair. I look like Bob. And uh, and uh, it was pretty scary, actually. But uh, but she, she had this shirt. You know, it was kind of a cream-colored shirt in the bag from the cleaners. You know, it had a cream-colored, had a faint purple pinstripe in it. and And it was lightly starched, just the way that I like it. And so I grabbed that shirt, and I thought, man, I got this big meeting in the morning. I'm going to wear this shirt, you know? We had this company that I worked for was being interviewed by this big computer company who was interested in investing in our, in our business, and we were going, and my boss was picking me up in the morning, so I got up, and I, we were remodeling our bedroom, so the lights weren't working real well, and it was dark, so I grabbed that shirt, and I, I put it on, and it had this faint purple pinstripe in it, and I said, ah, I got this nice tweed purple blazer, so I put this purple blazer on. I had this turquoise tie that had pinhead por- polka dot purple polka dots on it i had on black pants i had on my burgundy floorsheim royal imperial shoes i was dressed for success my boss picked me up. We went to the meeting, and it was this intense negotiation. We were negotiating back and forth. About an hour into the meeting, I decided to make a power move, and I took off my coat, threw it on the table. We negotiate back and forth. A little bit later, I needed to go to, uh, to take a break, and I went into the men's rooms. and as I'm leaving, I'm standing there combing my hair. And I look in the mirror, and I think, there's something on the pocket of this shirt. And I look down, and it's a piece of masking tape with $1 written on it. (laughs) We never did get any business from those people. But I know what it's like to be a marked man. Our marks identify us. They speak to where we have been, the kind of life that we have led. Your past wants to mark your future. Your past wants to chain you to a life that's substandard of the life that Jesus came to acquire for you, and the marks of our past can be overcome. This verse in Galatians, it speaks to us about the marks that Paul had, but it's unique. This word mark here in this passage in Galatians 6.17 is the only time in the entire New Testament that this Greek word is used. It's a word that we still use in our English vocabulary today. It's the word stigma. And it's a specific mark that's unlike any other mark. It's a mark that was given to a slave who had been redeemed problem with slavery back then was that if you went into slavery, you were marked with a mark generally on your forehead. It was either tattooed or branded on you. And everywhere that you went, if you got released from slavery, you still bore that mark in your body that identified you with what had happened in your past. But this mark, the stigma, was a mark that was given only by the priest... A released slave could go to the house of God and the priest would come and he would mark him with a mark that superseded every other mark that he had ever received. It identified him as belonging to Jesus. He got a new identity. When Paul talks about this stigma, this mark, he talks about the reality of saying to us, you're not who you were before. You might have been a slave to sin. You might have been one who was bent on destruction. You might have been that one who's failed in life. But I've got a mark that supersedes every other mark that you've ever had. There's an identity for you that is brand new to give you a new beginning. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. Because after all, the fight of planet Earth is this. Will you believe that you are who God says you are in Christ? It's the original fight that happened in the garden. Will you believe that you are who you say you are, who God says you are in Jesus? In the garden, Adam's there, the serpent's there. Adam being made in the image of God was like God. But the serpent convinced him to believe that he was not. He said, if you do this, then you will be like God. But he was. The fight was, would he believe he was who God said he was? The fight now with us as new covenant believers is the same. Will we believe that we are who God says we are or will we allow the marks of life, the marks of our past, the failures that we've experienced to continue to identify us? Or will we allow the mark that God gives us, the identity that he gives us, to be that which we believe about ourselves? We need to be those people that are marked with a mark. Sherry and I, when we first came to Jesus, I've told you this story before, maybe you weren't here, but Sherry and I, we were divorced, we were married, and then we were divorced. And our, you know, our marriage was so bad that my grandmother paid for our divorce. Come on now, you know your marriage is messed up when granny pays for the divorce. But we decided about a year later that we were going to get married again. And we couldn't tell Granny because she would want a refund. And, uh, and so we got a marriage license, and we went to this church. You know, the church that we went to was named God's Sheep Shed. That's right. We was hillbillies. And uh, where all the big sheep and the little lambs get fed. We went to, and we went to the pastor, and the only way the pastor would marry us was if I would believe on Jesus, I didn't plan on believing on Jesus. I wasn't thinking about believing on Jesus. I was afraid of him, and I said yes. I mean, that's really the truth. And we got down after we recited our vows after church that night in an impromptu wedding ceremony. We recited our vows, and we both confessed our faith in Jesus, and something happened on the inside of me. We got up from there and the pastor said, now I want you two to stand and face each other. He said, young man, do you see that young lady? She doesn't have a past. And he quoted this scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. He looked at Sherry and said, Young lady, you see that young man? He doesn't have a past. And he quoted it again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. This was who God said we were. This was the reality as God saw it. Emotionally, we still felt the same way. We still had the same learned behaviors that we had always had. We still had those same buttons that we knew if we pushed them on each other, there would instantly be an argument and a fight. But we had a choice to make. Would we believe that we were who God says we were in Christ? Or would we believe that we were only destined to experience the same thing that we had always experienced? No matter what you're facing, the reality of it comes down to this. Will we trust God at His Word? His Word is always sufficient. God says, you're a new creation. God says, Old things have passed away. God says, all things have become new. The part we we play is simply to trust him that his word is true. When he starts talking about us, are we gonna say, I surrender to your word? Are we gonna say, nah, he can't, he can't, he can't mean that about me. Surely he surely he's missing something. Surely he doesn't see how I am. Surely he doesn't see all this stuff in my past and my history and what my family has given to all the abuse that I went through, all the things that I did. No, he doesn't see it. Cuz he says when we come into Christ, he takes our transgressions and our sin and he places them as far away as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. Our work in all of Christian experience is simply this. The disciples came to Jesus in John chapter 6, and they said, we want to perform God's works too. You know what that means is we want to experience the power of God working in our lives. We want to experience what we know the Word says as reality at home, with our kids, in our families, with our sickness. We want to experience that power for ourselves. What do we have to do to experience that? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one He has sent. The Christian experience is very simple. It all comes down to the issue of trust. Will we trust God? Will we trust him, that what he knows about us and has for us is the very best? The rewriting of our destiny is done by radical transformation. It's not done by our works and labors. It's done by radical transformation. Whenever you believe the truth in your heart, transformation happens, and it's instantaneous and effortless. Mark talks about this in his marriage seminars. Information, you know, I've been to enough of them. I can quote pretty much several of them. Information plus emotion burns into your memory, and it's there forever. The truth in your heart, when it's believed, it's not not about knowledge. It then becomes identity. It's part of who you are. God said, I want to radically transform you when you believe in Jesus. He says this, I'll give you a new spirit. A new spirit. That spirit that was given, that propensity that was given, towards sin, now is no longer there. It's gone. Why? Because he took it. He said, when you come to Jesus, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, you're going to be born again. I'm going to give you a new spirit. He says, you got this stony heart. He talks about this in Ezekiel chapter 11. He says, I'm going to take a stony heart. I'm going to reach into that heart that was hard towards me. It wasn't pliable. It wasn't teachable. And I'm going to reach in there, and I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to give you a new heart. And on that heart, I'm going to do something specific, he says. I'm going to write my laws on there. Your heart's not going to be the same. It's not going to be you wanting to do your will all the time. It's going to be that inside of you there's this inner witness that says, I am going to, I know what the will of God is because it's written there on my heart. He takes it all out. He writes it in our minds and says, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. The New, Christ, the New Testament, the New Covenant experience is so wonderful because we have a chance to start over. We have hope. We have hope that what we have experienced in the past, what we maybe even experienced yesterday, that today that his mercies are new every morning, that he's with us, he's for us, not against us, that he's working all things together for our good, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, I don't know what it is that you're facing, but I want to say this to you. There can be a radical transformation in your life, and the thing that you have to do is simply trust God at his word. It's going to take some walking it out. It's going to take standing strong. The Bible tells us when we've done everything that we can do, our job is then to just simply stand and trust. I don't know about you. You know, some of you I just felt when I was traveling back over here from the other campus, I just felt there's some of you here that, you know, I just heard this cry. Is it ever going to change? Are we always going to have these problems in our relationship? Is our marriage all, is this what what our life is going to be? And if you're here today and you're saying those things about your marriage, I want you to have hope that there's another story. Trust the Lord at his word. If you're here today and you say, you know what, my kids are going through it. They're off doing their own things. Is there ever going to be a change? And the answer is trust in the Lord, and he will bring it to pass. I don't know about you, but I need I need this kind of encouragement, not by a stream daily coming into my life, not by a river daily coming into my life, but like the song that we sang, this, you know, Sea billows rolling over me, encouraging me, preparing me, reminding me of the hope that I have in Jesus. The hope that Colossians talks about how he is the hope of glory, Christ in you. He's there resonant in you. You know, the cool thing that I I love, I love a lot of things about serving the Lord, but the cool thing, look, I'm down to 56 seconds, man. I can do it. I can do it. One of the cool things I really love about serving the Lord is, is how he says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going he's gonna to teach you everything that you need to know about me. He's not going to be around you. He's going to be in you. And listen, when deity, Jesus said that. I paraphrase it. Jesus said it. But when deity starts talking about sending deity to be inside of me, to help me, it's like hook me up for that deal. You know, that's, that's that's a good deal right there. I want that. I want that in my life. So I hope today, as I said when I started, hope today that you have hope. And I hope that that hope is this. I can trust the Lord. I can take him at his word. The marks that I've experienced, the pain that I've been through, the hardship that I'm going through right now, There's a new beginning. There's a new day. And with the Lord, that day is always today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you've called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. That you've given us such hope, such good news, such such power, Lord, to overcome the pain, the hurt, the marks of our past. That you've marked us with a new mark. And, Lord, that mark is your mark of love. That mark is your mark of acceptance. That mark is your mark of belonging. That mark is your mark of value. And, Lord, in everything that we face in life, may we have the confidence in knowing that we can trust you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.